0: So the uh, the evening of our first day together. Can you hear? Okay, the back. And sometimes, <coughs> sometimes at the end of the first day of a retreat, one can feel a certain kind of fatigue. Uh, uh, we we. Uh, You know, we can arrive on retreat and it's like kind of suddenly putting the brakes on, you know, when we've actually been traveling quite fast. And uh, and it's very usual for the first day or so of a retreat to feel like a kind of, we were reflecting with one of the groups this afternoon, that kind of swinging between restlessness and sleepiness. There's a kind of energetic momentum of our lives. And uh, that requires, requires patience, requires a lot of patience and just uh, an orienting to what supports and nourishes and resources us. And uh, the Buddha very helpfully outlined. Named uh, some of the factors that um, we can encounter and and sometimes find ourselves struggling with in this practice. And this is a list that's uh, traditionally called the hindrances. Though though literally the 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 Pali word for it means the veiling factors. So factors that kind of veil a sense of clarity or a sense of kind of presence or uh, a sense of intention. And I, I find it a very um, compassionate list because it kind of uh, names our human experience so that we don't take it so personally. You know, Some of you will be very familiar with this list and it's just kind of worth Remembering that it's not just a list for beginners. You know, the, the Buddha was very clear that uh, some of these factors persist right in his map until the very final stages of awakening. So uh, we have time to, to get used to working with them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, And... Um, whether whether you know this list or not and my my guess is they'll be familiar so so the first is is what's traditionally called craving for sense pleasures so so wanting things right wanting the cup of tea or wanting to get to lunch or wanting to get the siesta you know or um Getting a glimpse of the library and thinking, oh my goodness, that's full of treasures, or you know, I want to buy the book, or uh, when can I plan the next retreat, even, you know. Just feeling that kind of basic urge that, that how the mind gets kind of a bit contracted into wanting and craving, right. Everybody recognize that one? Yeah, good. (laughs) You know. The second is, is the, the opposite, is, is aversion. You know, that, that comes in so many different flavors, doesn't it, aversion? You know, we could probably say that, that pretty much every difficult mental state is a, is a variety of aversion. So boredom, frustration, irritation. Kind of, judgmentalism, jealousy, anger, regret, fear, ill will. You know? Can everyone recognise those? You know, and uh, they show up, don't they, On, as we sit and walk. <laughs> you know, the 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 kind of. Juddering, slowing down, you know, going from moving really fast and slowing down. Sometimes kind of boredom. We feel like time is kind of stretching out and seeming endless. (coughs) A flavor of aversion, you know. We can notice what happens with aversion. Often it's a kind of springboard for craving, isn't it? I'm bored and so I just kind of my eyes get busy and I'm reading the notice board again and it's the third time this morning you know uh, or I, i'm just kind of looking for sense some kind of hit in some way you know so so craving aversion the the third is sleepiness and dullness and traditional translation sloth and torpor yeah which again we can sense comes in different qualities, doesn't it? The kind of fog, or just the kind of some of you noted this kind of experience today when you know, just there one can't kind of stay awake in a certain way. Low energy. And what we can notice sometimes there's a difference between a kind of natural fatigue that we may have arrived with. And the more hindrance quality of it, where you know you may notice that through a sitting you're doing this, and then the bell goes, and, and you're wide awake, <laughs> and that's interesting, isn't it? You know, feeling how in some way these kind of these states can kind of be veiling us, or almost kind of stopping us for, from feeling something. There's a kind of I don't really want to feel this whatever it is you know boredom or uh, anxiety or sadness you know or joy even the the fourth is is the opposite of sleepiness restlessness restlessness and worry so anxiety agitation scatteredness fragmented kind of quality which, which can show up in the body as well as in the mind, can't it? We see all of these are showing up in the body as well as the mind. Yeah. And the fifth is doubt, which, you know, can t- again, also can take different forms. It could be the doubt that says, oh, I just can't do this, you know, I just can't do this. It's, kind of, it's a kind of self doubt. Or it could be what I think of as kind of path doubt or activity doubt where you may have had the thought, you know, oh, this mindfulness retreat thing, you know. Should have done the Zumba course this week instead, you know. And we can feel how this can be a kind of paralyzing quality in doubt, can't there? Sometimes where I can't decide what to do. That, that's one of the flavors of doubt. This or That you know the kind of strand of fear in the doubt and often noticing how doubt shows up when our strategies for dealing with the other four haven't quite worked do you notice that God, yeah just keep coming back to the breath and keep wandering off i can't do it <laughs> you know and why am i doing it anyway <laughs> why did i sign up for this you know all the different ways in which uh, doubt can creep in, and we can see how these these factors almost never come on their own right so So people talk about multiple hindrance attacks, you know? so when the kind of pain in the knee is just yeah, feeling so kind of restless with it. And then I get aversive, you know, to it and uh, I start thinking, oh, come on, when's, when's the bell going to go and, and it's time for a cup of tea? And then you realise, oh, it's not for a while, so just kind of go to sleep, you know? <laughs> and then wake up thinking, uh, oh, you know, I just can't do this. I really can't do it. <laughs> and, of course, these patterns don't just show up in meditation, Right? You know, don't they show up in relation to anything that we commit ourselves to? They show up in relation to work. They show up in our relationships, don't they? Our friendships, our intimate relationships, our relationships in our family. You know, And, and I, I find this kind of word hindrance actually not necessarily very helpful. I mean, these are, these are human patterns, we could call them. Human patterns that just um, show up in all human lives, part of our common humanity. and what's interesting is that that you know they seem like obstacles, and that gives rise to the name hindrance. but of course, when we become aware of them, they actually become the path, you know. When, when we start to bring mindfulness to these patterns, rather than kind of getting in the way of the practice, they actually become the pathway of the practice. Th- does that make sense? Can you feel that? You know, it's, and it's, it's interesting what one moment can feel so obstructive, the next moment actually f- feels like, oh, I, I've got an insight here into something. I'm really kind of understanding something. Just by the shift of relationship. And, and so, you know, uh, how, how to do that? How, how can we start to make these human patterns uh, the path? How, how can we develop more skillful relationships with them? In a certain way, honoring them. You know, the, these, they come up often for protective reasons you know like the sleepiness may come up because i kind of just don't want to feel the boredom it's kind of kind of trying to protect me from it yeah or the self doubt the self judgment is kind of protect me from the fear of failure in a certain way and part of what mindfulness does is it it replaces these actually kind of outgrown these 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 defenses that we've we've outgrown with awareness which is actually a much more reliable protection. (laughs) Is a much more uh, resourced response to difficulty than these uh, these kind of old unconscious habits. And some of you may have heard the acronym RAIN um, as a way of practicing with states that are difficult as well as states that are delightful. So recognize, allow, investigate, non-identification. I, I've recently been finding it helpful to think rather in, in terms of grain so a kind of more whole food kind of acronym uh, uh, with the, the G standing for for grounding you know, we could almost think of double R, rain, so resourcing we've, we've talked a bit today about anchoring, and but I find the sense of grounding very powerful, very helpful. And in the story of um, Siddhartha's awakening, uh, it's said on the, the night of his awakening, he was sitting under the Bodhi tree, and what shows up, but the hindrances in the personified form of Mara, so who's this kind of being in uh, Buddhist um, mythology that kind of embodies personifies these qualities of the hindrances and and, and so you know Mara works through different hindrances uh, and and uh, kind of desire aversion, doubt, knowing interestingly Mara kind of throws doubt as the last hindrance, um, sensing that Siddhartha 's going to awaken and knowing that doubt is actually almost the most difficult of the hindrances and what does Siddhartha do well. We see the statue of him here. What's he doing? He's touching the earth, and you know that's a resonant gesture within Buddhist understanding. But I I really appreciate that reminder of touching the earth, of of grounding, of what it is to to cultivate a sense of ground. You know, because we so easily take the sense of ground for granted, don't we? You know, and, and the busyness and the kind of stress of our lives sends us up, doesn't it? You know? And we can often find that we're kind of only really living in the top quarter of the body on certain days or in certain times of our lives. And there's something kind of... There's a there-ness about ground. It's not something we have to earn. You know, it's a kind of unconditional... Support the sense of ground that we can you know, we can really tune into, that we can really cultivate that we can really uh, more and more experience as a deep resource because if we don't have that we're so easily spun around aren't we, in this life you know just the kind of charge and you know what said hamlet says the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to you know and there are just kind of you only have to watch the news to get a dose of those don't we you know and it's so easy just for our bodies and minds just to be kind of reeling with the charge of shocks kind of recent and remembered and it's almost like the grounding is like having a lightning conductor. So we kind of practice putting the charge in the ground, like an earth fuse on a plug. You know? Can you sense that as you sit here? Because you know? this practice of grounding is actually very practical. You know? Sensing the sit bones on the cushion or the chair. You know, really valuing the contact between your feet or your legs and the floor. Feeling what the, the Buddha calls the earth element in the body. Which is the kind of, the weight of the limbs. You know, noticing that your, your feet and your legs and your hands and your arms have weight. The, 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 the poet Rilke said, patiently trust your own heaviness. You know. And just, you know, even as you sit here now, just sensing what that's like, really to kind of appreciate the weight, the earth element in, in the limbs. The sense of the out-breath. You know, it's this quality that Martine was pointing to in that, that beautiful phrase, you know, solid as a mountain, or steady as a mountain grounded as a mountain it's a kind of embodied orientation to equanimity in a certain way can you can you feel that you know uh, and notice what noticing what it, it how it establishes a kind of let's use the word an anchor or, or a kind of base that is outside the patterns of the hindrances can, can you can you feel that how you know the the anxious thought or the irritated thought or the the kind of self doubt just notice your sit bones are not bothered about that situation at work you know the soles of your feet are probably not bothered about the big decision you've got to make you know the feeling of your hands you know the sensations of your hands they they're not Doubting and wondering why you came, you know? this is useful to know, because parts of the body certainly are you know, so the, the front line of the body, we tend to feel these thousand natural shocks, don 't we? You know? and I think you've raised this very important point in the discussion how we need to be discerning when we have this sense of go to the body, let's be discerning about where we go to. Because it's quite possible to go to a place in the body. Somebody was describing today how you know, going to the shoulders where the anxiety is really am- amplified it. You know, Going to the soles of the feet actually may really give a sense of support in relation to it. It's a, a kind of ground, a base that's outside the pattern, the outside the kind of vortex of the pattern. Because the, the hindrances can often feel like vortices, can't they? You know, that difficult, painful memory, or that anxiety, or that worry about something, it kind of sucks us in if we haven't got a kind of good anchor or base outside it, you know, in the less emotionally charged areas of the body. And this is something we can cultivate. It may initially feel quite kind of uh, faint or just not very present for us, but actually to practice this quality of grounding very very supportive and something that develops over time and you know that that phrase that martin was using you know steady as the mountain open as the ocean and, and we can feel how kind of the grounding actually supports a certain openness a certain capacity to relate to other people or you know beautiful trees bird song sunlight painful memories back pain you know rather than just being lost in those experiences we can get lost in our relationships can't we we can lose that sense of ground to the cost of ourselves and others. We, we can get lost in the beauty of things. You know? We can get lost, very easily lost, in the kind of patternings that, that we notice coming up on the retreat. And the kind of solid as a mountain enables a kind of open as the ocean. So I can kind of relate to the pattern rather than from within it, just being sucked into it. And so the, the kind of G, if we, if we go with the, the whole food uh, acronym, you know, the, 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 the G enables the R, the recognition, the recognizing. Oh, this is sadness. Or this is uncertainty. Or this is excitement, you know. This is peace. this is irritation you know the 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 recognizing we can sense how to to name to to recognize what's happening changes our relationship with it can we feel that? you know and you may have had moments of this today where where you kind of there's a there's a mind state around which which may be delightful, but it may also be difficult and just to kind of recognize oh that's happening that's what this is you know it's hard to be completely stuck in something we're interested in. Have you notice that you know so oh, this is boredom, ah, can I be interested in boredom you know we see how what these, these hindrance factors often do is they, they kind of direct our attention to objects. So, uh, you know, I'm sad about that situation and I, I'm kind of thinking about that situation or I'm anxious about that situation and I'm thinking about that. And actually to recognize what's the mind state may actually be a much more effective way of working with the situation. Because we we have some traction over the mind state, it's something that we can actually engage with and creatively uh, respond to. So just this this question: What's happening? D- D- Danil asked that really helpful question. You know, how, how do we? What do we do at the beginning of a sitting? You know. And and it may be that this um, kind of remembering of intention is very helpful. I find the question, "Oh, what's happening?" Just that curiosity. What's happening? You know, Martine spoke about her Zen question of of what is this? You know, what is this that's here? And just to recognize that and name that. Recognizing, allowing. So. We can sense how uh, we, we can be kind of braced against something. We can be braced against physical discomfort, for instance, or braced against uh, a difficult emotion of anxiety and kind of tightening up around it. What is it really to allow it to, to kind of give it space? What is it really to allow the sense of enjoyment, you know, to be here? I can kind of note it, yeah, I'm feeling quite happy, but actually there's a difference between that and really kind of welcoming it and allowing it, giving it room. Allowing things to be as they seem. We, and sometimes, you know, if things are difficult. The first ste- step of allowing is being willing to tolerate. You know? Willing to tolerate the frustration or the fact that I can't get my attention to stay on the breath for more than half a breath. You know? Tolerate, breathe with, I'm going to breathe with this pain in the back rather than brace against it, and that can support us in, in you know softening the relationship because we can sense how what gives things their fixity, particularly when things are difficult, what kind of makes things seem more solid, is the kind of pushing against them <laughs> Yeah. Can you, can you feel that? You know, whereas to recognise what it, you know, okay, this is anxiety, and I'm just going to allow it. I'm going to breathe with it. I'm going to find a sense of ground in the midst of it. I'm going to allow the wave of it to move through. And often, recognising, grounding, recognising, allowing is is kind of enough somehow, but. But they're all aspects of of what Martin calls this experiential investigation. We could say the I, you know, experiential investigation with kindness, where we're getting interested in what this is, you know, this this repetitive thought pattern or this this kind of um, mood that's around. How does it feel in the body? a useful question. You know, how does this, this restlessness feel in the body? How does this uh, aversion feel in the body? What parts of the body are not caught up in it, as we've said? I find a helpful question is what feeds it and what fasts it? You know, what feeds sadness? And what actually doesn't feed it. You know, how can I practice kind of allowing it but not feeding it necessarily? Yeah? The question, what, what story am I believing? Because so often we notice with these states that we we are kind of believing some story of how we think things are. Some of you had those kind of realizations during the day. You know, I was kind of believing somehow that everybody else had got this meditation together and I was the one person who was struggling to find two breaths in a row, you know? And actually discovering, oh, no, that's actually not the case, just in case you thought it was, by the way, yeah? Yeah. I love Martin's question. I wonder how long this will last that 's a very helpful investigative question isn 't it because it 's encouraging us to notice change you know? to notice that that no actually no two moments are the same if we really look <laughs> you know? that, that everything 's changing all the time, and part of the uh, experiential investigation, investigating with kindness, is really to to notice and and let the sense of things changing register. <laughs> so I really acknowledge, okay, I can sense that things things are changing. I mean, where where's the mind state that you woke up with this morning? You know, or the preoccupation before lunch? Can you sense how just You know, the landscape as we look back over the day, you can just sense how much things have changed, haven't they? It's the one thing we can promise here, that things will change. (laughs) What happens if if I remember compassion and kindness? It's another kind of investigation question. That, that Rather than kind of just battling with this, I just have a sense of, oh, okay, I'm going to hold myself with kindness in the midst of this. Pema Chodron describes one of her preferred translations of the Buddha's word for kindness as an unconditional sense of humor. You know, that's really helpful to keep close to hand on retreat, right? You know, what happens if I remember a sense of humor? And there's a way in which you know, these the Buddha often compares this practice to craft to, to, to kind of it being like a craft that takes patience If you, you know learning a craft we kind of get to learn how things work how kind of wood works or how these tools work and these are kind of tools of awareness we're really talking of here and you know the Buddha says get to know how these hindrance factors work these kind of human patterns work get to know what what kind of encourages them, get to know what uh, also counterbalances them. And, and each of them does have kind of, if you like, antidotes that we can investigate. So, you know, one of the things to notice with sensual with craving where I'm really wanting something is, is to notice how quickly things change, you know, how the first bite of lunch, you know, things change, don't they? You know? The experience isn't necessarily uniformly pleasant. It's not the gateway to nibbana, you know, that I may have predicted, you know. And just to see that as a kind of compassion to ourselves, because we so easily project a kind of solid ability to lastingly sort things onto all kinds of experience, don't we? And and that just can help to unhook the mind from some of its cravings. Know, just to allow more well, things change, it may be pleasant, you know, but actually also things will continue to change <laughs> you know with with aversion or the kind of ill will it's like well what are the what are the good or beneficial aspects of this situation or person? you know maybe there's a situation at work or somebody who really Irritates you, and just you know, can feel the mind a bit preoccupied with that. And just sometimes, just to say, Okay, what, what could I appreciate about this person? What happens if I see, see difficulty also as opportunity? You know, even the difficulty of a mind state or a pain in the body, what might this be an invitation to learn or to deepen in? John Kabat Zinn's one of his kind of maxims in the practice is whatever's happening is the curriculum. It's a good one, isn't it? You Because know, it turns it from being a problem into, okay, or at least it, there's the potential to, to change the relationship where I say, okay, maybe this is an opportunity really for me to learn a greater compassion for myself or more patience or, or remembering a sense of humor. With, with dullness and sleepiness we've spoken a little bit already about how energizing in response to that so opening the eyes looking upwards and kind of noticing the light in the room just raising the posture some people find that just to, to put the hands like this just put, putting a bit of effort into the posture can energize or standing up Really encourage you to stand up. Always feel uh, appreciative of those who stand up when they're sleepy, because it's kind of saying, "Okay, I, I'm not just going to be governed by this," <laughs> you know, sleepiness. I, I was saying to a group this afternoon, I've only once ever seen someone fall asleep while standing up, you know. And so, that please feel encouraged to do that if uh, you find sleepiness is around a lot, with with restlessness. Again, the grounding practice, very helpful. Spaciousness, if you feel the body and mind are very restless, go to listening to the sounds and the silence. In India they say, if you've got a wild elephant, put it in a big field. And just creating that sense of spaciousness can help just hold the restlessness. And doubt, with doubt, a sense of, of, can this moment be enough? Can I... What can I know? What can I uh, appreciate in this moment? I may not know what path I'm due to take, or I, you know, what, how to make this choice. But actually, right now, right now, I can appreciate this. I can lean into the ground. I can appreciate the sense of the in-breath. So this is the the uh, the I the N. Of, uh, of the acronym is, is N for non-identification so that's uh, we could also think of that as, as being about conditionality seeing that, that states of body and mind uh, come about due to conditions they're not something we, we need to take personally rather like the weather we don't take the weather personally the weather comes about due to conditions same with our states of body and mind So it's really then, rather than saying, okay, I am angry, or this is my problem with anger, or my problem with the back pain, it's more like, okay, this is anger. This is discomfort. You know, anger is happening. Not me, not mine, just boredom. Or just contentment. Does that make sense? Can you feel that? It's kind of allowing... Allowing the conditionality of things. Allowing that to be part of our experience. Lost one of my pages, but... Oh yeah, there we go. So... Um, you know, this, this uh, creative engagement with these, these factors, if they sh- as they show up, knowing that they will show up, you know Craving, aversion, dullness, sleepiness, restlessness, worry, doubt. Grounding, recognizing. Yeah. Are you getting that the grounding is also the anchoring that we've been speaking about? Yeah? So just another word for it. Anchoring. Uh, recognizing, allowing, investigating non identification, just saying this is conditions. I can introduce new conditions, conditions of, of, of mindful awareness, of uh, kindness. We can also see that that how that our experience is so profoundly shaped by what we are cultivating. We've used this word a few times today, and actually, the the word cultivation is is the Buddha's word for what we're doing here. He didn't so often use the word meditation; he described it as as cultivation, which is interesting, isn't it? If you think about, you know, okay, I'm going to sit down to cultivate, rather than sitting down to meditate. It's 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 uh, it kind of can change how we perceive the practice, and and one of the cultivations that the Buddha Repeatedly recommended was a sense of enjoyment. A skilled practitioner cultivates a sense of enjoyment," said the Buddha. So this sense of enjoyment, not just as a kind of fruit of the practice, but as something we we consciously orient towards, based on the principle which. Is, is so kind of uh, foundational in this practice that whatever, as the Buddha puts it, whatever the mind frequently dwells upon becomes the shape of the mind, and isn 't it interesting how the neuroscience of the last fifteen years kind of literally shows that to be true, how the brain's structure as well as its function is shaped by what we are cultivating, what we 're practicing, what we 're dwelling upon you know? and and as I said. You know, last night, really a key part of the art and the opportunity of retreat is to let that which has become dulled by familiarity again kind of become alive and nourishing for us through being noticed and valued, through being appreciated. You know, the beauties of nature. Did you did you notice just the first whispers of spring today? Can you feel that? Just you know, something to really notice and appreciate. You know, just being able to move, being able to walk, being able to stretch, the taste of food, you know, the freshness of the in breath, the release of the out breath. You know, these are blessings that we can easily kind of take for granted. And yet, and yet, actually, they are how we reawaken in ourselves a sense of well-being. A sense of being more in touch with the joys of life. And, you know, this is... This is really part of the practice of the retreat—to orient to the, what is here that is enjoyable—and see what it's like really to let it in, to breathe it in, to let yourself be nourished by it. You know, and we can sense how this is different from craving, different from the first of the hindrances. You know, craving kind of contracts us into wanting something that's not here, doesn't it? Whereas appreciation is a kind of receiving of what's already here and really kind of receiving the gift of it more fully with the body and the heart as well as just with the head. You know, as Rick Hansen puts it, letting good facts become good experiences. So that when kind of listening to the bird song in the garden, I really kind of feel it, I sense it. Listen to it with the whole body, not just with the conceptual mind. And we can sense how, in a certain way, appreciation and enjoyment, conscious appreciation and enjoyment, are the way in which our organism, if you like, rebalances itself. Scientists would say kind of, it's the mechanism for homeostasis. It kind of brings us back into balance with things when we let in the blessings of our lives. Can you, can you feel that? you know cuz the, the kind of out of balance that's that's busy and stressed actually just to open and and be nourished by what's here you know it's it's deeply supportive of a sense of well-being and a and a sense of healing and we can notice that that the cultivation of appreciation and enjoyment can coexist with discomfort and unpleasant sensations in the body or the mind. You know, it's so easy, isn't it, when we're experiencing discomfort or unpleasantness, the attention goes and gets stuck to it. You know, I I just am focused on my shoulders that are uncomfortable or on that worry or that painful memory. And and as Martin said earlier, you know, that just so easily amplifies it and magnifies it, doesn't it? And so we can say that, okay, yes, that turning towards difficulty is an integral part of this practice but so is learning and developing the capacity at times not to give attention to what's difficult and this was the the question about kind of how long should I be with what's difficult in a certain way and we can sense particularly when we don't feel in a very resourced state it's so easy just to get exhausted by I keep turning towards the the back pain and I keep turning and practicing allowing it and actually I'm just fatiguing the mind. And so, you you know, developing this capacity in the presence of the difficult also to value or really to, in a sense, make much of what is nourishing, grounding, supporting. Can, Can you sense that? You know? It's such a key principle because, you know, we we so easily lose contact with those blessings. I've t- told the story many times before of James Barras, who's a, a Dharma teacher from the states, who uh, whose mother was age ninety, and she as she says said that she'd spent a, a lifetime kvetching, which is a word that means kind of grumbling and complaining. And she said she was a kind of professional kvetcher. And she asked James for a a practice. Because he he runs a, a course on awakening joy. And he said, okay, at the end of every complaint, just add the little phrase, and my life is really very blessed. And there's a lovely clip of her online saying how this kind of ruined her life, actually, because she kind of discovered that she couldn't any longer sustain the old habit of complaining because she kind of was reminded of just how many blessings there were in her life. You know, and she was losing her sight at the time uh, that this was happening. And, and what is it to kind of really practice that principle ourselves where... Yes, there are these difficulties and there are these blessings. And there are these resources, you know, these nourishments. And, and to practice sustain, staying in contact with what resources and grounds and steadies us in the presence of what challenges and activates us. Can you sense that? You know, really... Staying in contact with the soles of the feet when we're having that difficult conversation with our teenage son or with the boss at work or hearing that difficult news. Because part of what we can also see is that pain and discomfort don't have an objective size and intensity within consciousness. Their size and intensity depend very much on the climate of mind within which they 're held and on what we 're cultivating in the midst of the moment, where we 're resting our attention in the midst of the moment can Can you sense that you know. and so you know particularly in in these early days of the retreat, but also you know throughout the retreat you know, a real encouragement to to look for what you can enjoy <laughs> look for what you can be nourished by and to breathe it in to breathe it in to savor it to let it uh, enlarge the capacity of the heart the buddha uses this i find it such a helpful image of the salt crystal you know he said take a take a, a lump of salt and put it in a in a, a, a beaker of walker, water and try to drink it and it's unpalatable Put it in a lake of of clean water and let it dissolve and the same lump of salt is actually drinkable <laughs> and this something about the the uh, the sense of capacity that we're cultivating in our lives and and how that really changes the experience of the difficult in our lives and you know this this is uh, an or, this orientation towards in, t- towards appreciation enjoyment is something certainly for th- the kind of moments in the garden and meal times and the kind of more informal moments of the retreat but also something really to bring into the sitting practice the meditation practice itself you know just as you breathe this next breath now just notice how, how how it is to filter it through an attitude of appreciation can you sense that you know and and this is significant this is really significant there's a difference between attention and mindfulness attention can be quite kind of neutral, even it can be flavoured with aversion and you know hindrance factors, you know. Mindfulness has qualities of kindness and friendliness and appreciation as integral to it. And so what is it to to orient in the meditation practice itself to the sense of the quiet enjoyment? And really to savour that? Really, to keep renewing that sense of intention. This, as, as Martine was saying, this, this word that's often described, translated as concentration, is actually much better translated as a sense of collectedness or, or recollection. And, and just to kind of enjoy that sense of collecting the attention into the body of the moment the the anchors of the moment a spacious arena of awareness in which you hold the body the the Buddha's word for this collectedness actually uh, he he describes as an enlarged awareness rather than a contracted awareness and so We can very deliberately cultivate this enjoyment of collectedness. This enjoyment of the quiet sensations of the hands as they sit in your lap. The, The sense of nourishment that's in the breath. The Buddha said this kind of pleasure is to be cultivated and developed. It doesn't need to be feared. And as tools of awareness in that cultivation, the Buddha offered just five simple kind of inflections of attention that I find really helpful around this, really helpful. The, the first, in a certain way, it's just in a, noticing the different ways in which we can use our attention when we are cultivating an enjoyment of the anchor, the anchoring of the breath. The anchoring of the hands, the anchoring of the whole body, Yeah, the anchoring of the sounds. The first is, is, is that okay? How, I'm conscious I'm talking quite a bit. Are, are you doing okay? <laughs> You've got a capacity for a little bit more? Is that all right? <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, these are very practical. That the, that the first is just directing the attention. So just to notice, okay, in-breath. Out-breath. Can you feel that what happens there is that there's a kind of thought that takes you to the object or to the anchor? Yeah? And that that's a skillful and helpful tool of awareness, tool of attention. Just the, the thought that goes, okay, foot with your feet kind of lifting moving placing or I sometimes find just the word now 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 when taking doing walking meditation yeah so it's a thought that takes you to sensations what does it take you to well it takes you to not just a concept of foot or in breath but actually to sensations of the experience right? And and this is the second of these tools of awareness, is to, to get used to feeling the sensations. Feeling the sensations of the breath. Because we can sense, so I could go in-breath and just bounce straight off it into another bit of kind of rumination, yeah? But uh, I go to the breath and I feel, oh. Feel the kind of Freshness of the in breath through the nostrils and the expansion in the chest and the abdomen and then the release you know so I'm kind of surfing the sensations or surfing the sensations of the hands moment by moment it's a slightly different kind of inflection of awareness so directing feeling the sensations the third is would be a kind of appreciating and filling with so we can notice as we breathe, we can fill the awareness with the sensations of the breathing in this moment. Can you sense that? May only be for a moment, but a moment's worth having. You know, A moment's worth having of, of nourishing in-breath or releasing out-breath. So directing, sensing, appreciating. And the fourth is kind of Easing and relaxing. Can you can you sense that just to relax the body can actually support a sense of collectedness? You know, the the grounding can support some kind of conscious and unconscious releasing of tension, coming back into gravity. Yeah. And this is helpful to cultivate, the Buddha saying. This is a tool of awareness to cultivate the sense of relaxing. The, this, this one is also about a certain kind of contentment. I sometimes think of it like, you know, those you know, analog radios where you're, you're, you turn the dial and you're tuning to frequencies. And you can sense that somewhere here, there is a kind of faint broadcast on the frequency of contentment. Can you hear it? You know, And what is it to kind of tune to that and just say, okay, there's a lot, there may be plenty else going on, but I'm just going to orient for a moment or two just to a sense of contentment and ease with this. And yes, there may be other insistent radio stations that are broadcasting more loudly, but just to know that okay, there's that contentment that I can tune to, that's very very helpful. It's a cultivation, and the the the, f- the fifth of these qualities is really. Uh, the fruit of the others, really, which is a sense of gradual harmonization, gradual collecting and cohering of experience into the anchoring, into the sense of present moment awareness, bringing the body, the awareness, and the present moment together, we could say. So these these tools of awareness are... are can, can you sense them as tools? There's the directing, there's the sensing, there's the appreciating, there's the relaxing and tuning to a sense of contentment. You know, and then just feeling, okay, there's a, a certain collectedness that can come, even if it's just for a moment. This practice is sometimes de- described as having moments many times. <laughs> wholesome moments many times this is how we cultivate and you know we can cultivate in this way even if the mind at times feels like it's going crazy I can still say okay soles of the feet or in breath or the sense of the hands and I can do it in the delightful moments as well I'm aware of having given a few lists in true Buddhist tradition this evening. Do you remember them? They're the kind of five uh, human patternings, shall we call them, or hindrances. The craving, aversion, dullness, and sleepiness, restlessness, and doubt. Yeah. The, the GRAIN acronym, remember, grounding, recognising allowing investigating with kindness and the non-identify saying i don't have to take any of this personally can i just let it all be weather the weather of the mind and the body you know. and i've spoken a bit about you know consciously making enjoyment part of your practice while you're here enjoyment in the garden in the house just orienting to that, so helpful. And that that can actually also infuse our very practice of meditation. Where we you know, practice enjoying the breathing, enjoying the hands. <laughs> you know, even if it's just the tiny glimmers of okayness, there's still something we can appreciate. That will be Amplified. And and these tools of awareness of directing, feeling sensations, appreciating, relaxing, and just the kind of collecting that happens as as a, a fruit of the others. As I began by saying, been really touched, you know, in the groups, and also just the feel around the place today, just by the sense of kind of sincere and kind of skillful efforts. And, uh, shared with a couple of the groups where people were on their first retreat. I spent most of my first retreat here planning how to escape. You know. and, and just to hear how uh, you're making such kind of good use even of this first day which can be uh, sometimes be a bumpy ride. And the Buddha speaks to this very directly, I think, and really kind of speaks to the hindrance of doubt in a way that I find encouraging. He says, do not disregard the potential of sincere and skillful efforts and practice, thinking the benefits won't come back to me. With dripping drops of water, even a water jug is filled. So little by little, those practicing sincerely and with skillful efforts will be filled with beneficial results. So let's just take a few moments of silence together. So thank you for your attention. Uh, Time now to enjoy some walking practice. uh, And then a bell will go for our final sitting of the day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.